This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10. Jesus is the Good Shepherd. We're reading from John the 10th chapter in our series, Portraits of Christ from the Gospel According to John. First of all, John 10, 1 to 6. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Then let's skip down to verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is the good shepherd. Speak to our hearts and teach us now as we look more deeply into this wonderful chapter in the Gospel of John. Thank you, Lord, for being our loving, gentle, caring shepherd. We love you and come before you. In Jesus' name, amen. I am is part of Jesus' statement that John uses to show his divinity. The word I am is the name of God given uh, to Moses in Exodus 3, I am who I am, Yahweh. So for Jesus to say, I am, he is claiming to be God. But there are seven I am's in the Gospel of John, and one of them is, I am the good shepherd. And we'll be looking at that this morning. Now, our good shepherd, Jesus, answers four questions in chapter 10 of John. The four questions are, what is a good shepherd? And while we're at it, what is a bad shepherd? What are true sheep and what are false sheep? So we're going to be looking 
at these four questions as the Lord answers them in John chapter 10. So first of all, what is a good shepherd? Jesus says, I'm legit. That means I am the right and true Messiah. There have been many false saviors, many false messiahs in the past, but I am legit. I have the authority of my Father. I come from my Father. I have his blessing, his anointing. I am legit. And to say this, he says in verse 1, Very truly I tell you Pharisees, who are the spiritual leaders of the day, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. So Jesus is the legitimate good shepherd. He is the Messiah who is predicted of through the scriptures. And he's the fulfillment of those scriptures, and he is legit. Secondly, he's caring. Notice in verse 2, we have the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. I love this. Back in that day, a shepherd just had to call and his sheep would come and follow. And he knew each sheep by name and had a nickname for each of the sheep. That's how personalized his care was. That's how much he noticed each and every one of his lambs because he had a name for them. When Shirley and I were in the Swiss Alps, we were on the top and Shirley spun around with her arms out and sang, The hills are alive with the sound of music. And there was an avalanche across the valley. But one of the things besides that that I remember was the sound of lots of bells of different sounds. Ding dong, ding dong. And every cow that was on the slopes had a different bell according to the flock that that cow belonged to. So when the shepherd rang that sound of bell, all the cows with that sound would follow that shepherd. But during the day when they're out on the Alps, they're just clanging all the different sounds, and it sounds like hundreds of church bells. Well, can you imagine sheep knowing their shepherd's voice so well that when they call, the sheep come. Maybe you have a favorite dog or cat or some other pet, and you say their name, and don't they perk up? Don't they look at you? They may not understand all the words that you're saying, but they sure recognize when you call them for dinner. Well, this is a personal caring shepherd, and we read, not only does he call us by name, he leads us, and look here at um, verses 14 and 15 
it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. He cares for us so much that he uh, calls us by name, he leads us, and um, verse 27 says, I know them. Again, he knows us intimately. Have you ever been in a point in life where you wish somebody cared about you? Where you wish somebody would lead you, guide you? Many of us are not tied in with the agricultural side of life. I mean, yes, there are some farmers here in Chico, but if we were to modernize this, you might say, if only I had a personal advisor, if only I had a counselor, if only I had a personal trainer, someone who really cared about me and could guide me. The answer is you do, and his name is Jesus. He is a caring shepherd. But notice he's a sacrificial shepherd because three times in this chapter he talks about laying down his life. We see this in verse 11b where he says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He says this in verse 15b where he says I lay down my life for the sheep. And he says this again in verse 17 the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. So three times Jesus says, the proof that I am a good shepherd is that I'm here to lay down my life for you. Let's talk about that for a moment. Because sin entered into the world due to the disobedience of the first humans, um, <clears throat> we are all broken. We are all fallen. The image of God has been marred beyond <clears throat> uh, recognition in our lives. However, even though we're under the power and the control <clears throat> of the evil one, the prince of the power of the air, Jesus has come to destroy the works of the devil. Now, how does he do that? By dying on the cross, he pays the ransom price to set us free, to purchase us with his precious blood. Jesus, the good shepherd, is setting us free from sin and slavery to Satan, and he has made it possible for us to be his very own through his sacrifice on the cross. Now notice here in verse 18, the reason my father loves me, I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. In other words, Jesus' death was not an accident, but a divine part of God's plan. He was not a victim, he was a victor. Jesus came purposely to give his sinless life for our sinful lives so that we could be forgiven and receive his righteousness and be in right standing with a holy God, God the Father. Praise God that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we are very grateful for his sacrifice. Fourth, he's life-giving. Don't, don't miss this. In verse 10, it says, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And in verse 28, he says this, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. 
no one will snatch them out of my hand. When you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the good shepherd gives you eternal life. What is eternal life? Eternal, eternal life is God's quality of life. It's heaven while you're on earth. Christ in us, the hope of glory, the taste of heaven divine while you're on earth is eternal and abundant life. You have that when you trust in Christ. And you have assurance because Jesus says, no one, verse 28, will snatch you out of my hand. And in verse 29, he says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Someone once tried to illustrate this by saying, picture Jesus' hand. You are in Jesus' hand. Picture the Father's hand covering you and protecting you. You are in the Son's hand, God the Son's hand, and you're in God the Father's hand, and no one can snatch you out from God's hand. You're secure. So we have eternal life, abundant life, and security in Christ. He is life-giving. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And we saw in Acts 4.12, there's no name under heaven given by which we can be saved except the name of Jesus. He's life-giving. And then finally, he's divine. He's one with the Father. He's in the Father and the Father is in him. He made both of these claims, and both times he made these claims, the people picked up stones to kill him because he was blaspheming. He seemed like a mere man claiming to be God, but he really is God. And that's why he said, I and the Father are one, verse 30. And that's why he said, the Father's in me and I am in the Father, verse 38. And to that claim of being God, he argued from Psalm 82, verse 6. He said, is it not written in your law, I have said you are gods? Now, this is a very good point. I want to make sure to make this point because the new age teachers would say we're all gods and jesus is not saying that he is quoting psalm 82 to say because of the word of god we all have influence so should it surprise you that i'm saying i am the unique son of god with god's authority and his unique um, um, influence do verse 37 do not believe me unless i do the works of, of my father but if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father's in me and I am in the Father. It was a very brilliant way of Jesus saying, now exactly what am I claiming? Yes, I'm claiming to be God, but we're all spiritual influencers. Are you listening to me? That's the key of what Jesus was saying there. Now, the second question Jesus answered is, what is a bad shepherd? A bad shepherd is one who climbs in by some other way. We read that in verse 1. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Now, listen carefully because I think you'll smile when I tell you what this means. Back in that day, a sheep pen was kind of like a, a, a U-shaped wall without a roof and without a door. And so a thief or robber could try to climb over the fence and go over the top. 
the shepherd himself would sleep in front of where the door would be. The shepherd himself would be the door. So between the sheep and the attacker would always be the shepherd. You had to go through the shepherd in order to get to the sheep. And right there, we see the illegitimacy of the false teachers, the Pharisees, and the Romans. The false authorities trying to impose themselves on the people were not coming through the gate. They were not coming through faith in Jesus Christ. By the way, what's the difference between a thief and a robber? A thief steals from you, a robber beats you up and steals from you. And so one commentary says Jesus is referring to the false teachers, the Pharisees, saying they're thieves, and the Romans who use oppression and military might are the robbers. Isn't that interesting? That in life, you've got people who are stealing from you and people who are uh, violating you to get their way, but there's one who's the good shepherd. Notice that he leads his flock. He doesn't drive them from behind. So here we have the false or bad shepherd. They are illegitimate. And secondly, they're uncaring. Look at verse 13. It says that they run away because they're a hired hand and care nothing for the sheep. And that brings us to their selfish. Verses 12 and 13 Because in verse 12, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. The man runs away because he's looking out to save his own hide. It's all about him and not about the sheep. He's a hired hand and that's above my pay grade. I'm not going to lay down my life to protect the sheep. I'm out of here. And a bad shepherd is destructive. Look at verse 10 where Jesus contrasts himself with the devil, who is the ultimate thief. You know, we are victimized by people, but really, Satan is victimizing people who victimize us. And so Satan is the ultimate victimizer. He is the thief, and he comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. You think, wow, once I'm dead, what's worse than killing me? Destroying my soul forever in hell the torment there. So the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's why you see in contrast, Jesus came to give life and give it abundantly. A bad shepherd reflects the satanic agenda of stealing, killing, and destroying. Now the good news is that a bad shepherd is not followed by true sheep. Look at verse 5. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. You can imagine, you teach your children, don't talk to strangers. And there's a little saying, stranger danger. You know, who are you? I'm not interested. You know, some false cult comes to your door. You say, I'm not interested. Move on. So you've got to be careful and protect yourself. So here we have the description of a bad shepherd. What is a true sheep? According to Jesus, a true sheep has saving faith. He he or she has entered the Jesus gate. Look at verse 9. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. So to be a true sheep of Jesus Christ is not to have a religious background, not to have uh, a priest and a nun in your family tree. It's not to be born in America and call it a Christian nation. 
Um, to be a Christian is to trust in Jesus Christ alone as your Savior and as your Lord. To believe that he died on the cross so your sins could be forgiven and he rose from the dead to give you new life. That's what it means to be a Christian, to be an active, ongoing follower of the Lord who has trusted him by faith to save your soul. Do you have saving faith? A true sheep listens and knows and follows, that is, obeys the Lord. Let's look at that, verses 3 and 4. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And verse 4, when he has brought them out, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. So obedience is a long walk in the same direction. So we have a long obedience in the same direction. It's not just that you've trusted in Christ and I've made a decision to ask Jesus into my heart. It's that every day I'm following Jesus. I'm a Christ follower, not, oh, I've got my eternal life uh, insurance policy because I, I prayed a prayer way back as a kid but lived like the devil now. That doesn't count. You've got to be following Jesus. And a true sheep discerns bad shepherds, as we saw those verses. You don't listen to strangers, and you don't follow a stranger's voice. Verse 8, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. There have been many false messiahs, and there are going to be many false messiahs to come. Remember Matthew 24, Jesus said, many will come in my name and say, follow me. Don't you dare follow them. Don't be hoodwinked uh, by some false messiah. And a true sheep has eternal and abundant life. We looked at that, verse 10. I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And verse 28, um, which says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And finally, and interestingly enough, a true sheep is united with others. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. The sheep pen referring to the the Jewish people. The other sheep referring to the Gentiles. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Praise God that Jesus came not just for the Jewish people, but for all people, Jews and Gentiles. I am not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said, for there's a power unto salvation for all who believe, first the Jew and also to the Greek or Gentiles, of which many of us here in this church and listening are. So praise God for his grace that he includes us in his flock. There was a very, very godly professor at the seminary I went to, uh, Dr. Gleason Archer. He was so brilliant he could think in eight or ten different um, ancient languages. And he wrote the book on um, answering biblical difficulty. The hardest questions you can ask about the Bible, he wrote the encyclopedia on how to answer those questions. And he was on his deathbed. And a good Jew, when he's dying, says the Shema, there's only one God. And when Gleason Archer was on uh, on his deathbed. He quoted what I would say is the Christian Shema, which is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. He said, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, 
one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And he breathed his last breath. What a declaration to say there's one Lord, Jesus Christ. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And there's one flock, the church, and it's universal. And we're connected one to another. We're members one of each other. Baptized into the body the moment we receive Christ by the Holy Spirit into the body. We are one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We're united. That's why Jesus prayed in John 17, the high priestly prayer, that we might really be united as he and the Father are one. Finally, what is a false shepherd? A false shepherd doesn't listen to Jesus. Did you notice in verse 20, many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? A sign of someone who's not a true sheep is they don't listen to the Lord. Secondly, they don't believe in Jesus. 24 to 27, these Jews were gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said to them, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And then notice that a false sheep does not understand Jesus. Look at verse 6. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. It went right over their heads. It was spiritually undiscernible because they were not on the right spiritual frequency. A false sheep does not accept Jesus as God. Verses 31 and um, the 33, we have the Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you want to stone me? And uh, they said, we're not stoning you because of good work. We're stoning you because of blasphemy, a mere man claiming to be God when you said, I and the Father are one. So on the one hand, they did not understand Jesus. On the other hand, they understood him too well that he was claiming to be God and they were ready to kill him because he claimed to be God. And then finally, if you don't receive Jesus, you're following someone else. You're following some bad shepherd. When Jesus saw the crowd, he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd, helpless and harassed. If you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you have a thief or a robber or the thief himself oppressing you. You are being harassed, and you are helpless. You need Jesus to be your shepherd. You need to say, I'm under new management, and uh, my boss is a Jewish carpenter, Jesus. You need to trust in the Lord Jesus to get out from the helpless state and the harassment that you're experiencing under some poor, bad shepherd. So our good shepherd answers these questions. Who is the good shepherd? Jesus. What is a bad shepherd? A false teacher. What is a true sheep? A Jesus follower. What is a false sheep? A Jesus rejecter. Now, how should we respond to this teaching in John 10? To apply the word of God to our lives, we need to, number one, trust in the good shepherd. Can we just bask in his love right now? He's calling you by name. He knows you inside out. He cares for you so much. He laid down his life so your sins could be forgiven and you could receive his righteousness. He's with you always and will never leave you or forsake you. 
He's given you and giving you eternal and abundant life for all those reasons. Trust in the good shepherd Jesus and avoid bad shepherds. Be discerning. Test all teaching and hold fast to that which is good. You hear something that sounds like phony baloney, it probably is. So discern the truth. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, don't follow it. Don't even give it a moment's notice. And then be among the true sheep. Acknowledge that you're part of the body of Christ, the church universal, and be united with other Christians. And pray for the lost. You know, every day, in, as I pray the Lord's Prayer, I do pray for my lost neighbors. I pray for the musicians that I play music with that don't know the Lord. And I look for opportunities to say something about Jesus because they're blind. They've been blinded by the evil one not to see the love of God in the face of Christ. And I just yearn for them to come to know Jesus. But we've got to pray for them. No one comes to Jesus unless they're prayed for. There's spiritual warfare going on, and the devil wants a lot of company down where he's going to be. So we've got to pray. Let's pray right now. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this wonderful time of fellowship and worship and praise. And now we just uh, bask in your love. Thank you for being our shepherd. We gladly listen to you. We want to know you more. We want to follow you more closely. And we want to glorify you and tell others about you. So Lord, thank you for being our shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.